With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and with me today on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis and man, the news keeps coming this offseason, whether it's five-star commitments, guys declaring for the NFL draft, guys announcing they're coming back for their senior season, Sam Pittman taking the Arkansas head coaching job, then replacing him with a very highly thought-of former SEC head coach. Of course, the apparently just never-ending Zach Evans roller coaster. We'll see how that ends up. There's no telling still at this point. Uh, grad transfer quarterback, that was big news uh, a week or so ago. It's just been one big news story after another with our program over the past month. And honestly, it's not really showing any signs of slowing down as arguably the biggest or maybe the most surprising news of the offseason started making the rounds early Friday morning as it was first rumored, it had been rumored for a week or so, I didn't really put much stock into those rumors, but then it was reported and then finally confirmed by our athletic department that Kirby Smart has now hired Todd Munkin, most recently of the Cleveland Browns, as not only our new offensive coordinator, but our new play caller. So obviously, there are a multitude of angles to this hire, and we're going to do our best to cover all of them on today's show. First, before we get there, I do want to sincerely thank all of you guys out there who have given us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts since our last episode, and really anyone who's given us a, a rating at any point in the past four or five years, but especially those who have given those uh, ratings out recently since we uh, put that call out in our last episode, and, and especially big thank you to the Knicks. I've got Nick T27Rose and Nick Aljay. Who gave, I think I hope I said that right, who gave us a couple of very nice reviews as well along with the ratings. We really appreciate you guys helping us out and going above and beyond for the cause here. And uh, if you have not rated and reviewed the show on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to us on, we would definitely greatly appreciate it if you would help us out there. If you just have a free second and you remember to do so, uh, that would be awesome. Five-star ratings, they really are big as we try to expand the show and convince potential new listeners So maybe give us a shot. So uh, yeah, thanks in advance. All right, Kurt, let's start off with this. I had heard Todd Munkin's name thrown around by a few people in town here in Athens over the past couple weeks. But I honestly, every time I heard that name, I was like, wow, that'd be great. But I took it with a giant size grain of salt for myriad different reasons that I will get into momentarily. 
But when the news was officially reported on Friday morning that we had indeed actually hired Todd Munkin as our new offensive coordinator, and this is a big kicker for me, and given him play calling duties, essentially not essentially flat out stripping James Coley of, that, of those responsibilities on a scale of one to 10. How surprised were you by that news? It just depends on everything about it. I mean, the play calling duties, I'm not very surprised because someone of Munkin's stature, you know, what he's been and where he's been, he's not going to come be a co-OC if he's not calling plays and having control because I think he got fed up with it last year, especially under Kitchens. Well, right, and that's why, like, I, as, as I said a second ago, like, I always took this with a grain of salt over the past couple weeks whenever I heard his name mentioned because from all accounts, it seemed like that James Coley was staying on, right? Because we had heard nothing yeah. nothing to the effect that he was going to be moving on. Like Business was operating as usual, it seemed like, after the bowl game. We, we played pretty well offensively considering some of the, the all the guys that we had out in that game. And we had just heard, like, usually if you're going to move on from the offensive coordinator, either you ha- you fire him before the bowl game or, like, immediately after. And that didn't happen. So, like, I think a lot of us, I mean, I certainly throw myself in that in that grouping, we were kind of operating off the assumption that James Coley was sticking around and was probably going to keep calling plays. Like we were thinking like best case scenario, we're bringing in like a co-offensive coordinator, quarterback coach kind of guy, a la Joe Brady, kind of following that uh, that example that LSU had set where he was going to be involved in the game plan and play calling, but like still Steve Ensminger was the play caller, right? Because, you, you know, uh, Coach O was really tight with Ensminger and didn't want to, you know, do anything to, to kind of degrade him in any way whatsoever and to, hurt, and to like – hurt him in any way. So, you know, and Coley and Kirby are, have been very tight for a long time, guys. Not just since Kirby or Coley's been here. Like, they've had a really tight relationship for a while now, going back to their days at LSU. So I thought, like, that might be what we would see. But when I hear the name Todd Monk, I'm thinking, okay, well, we've heard nothing about James Coley moving on. Uh, if he was going to be fired or if he was going to be demoted, we probably would have already heard something along those lines. And with like as you mentioned with Tom Munkin's name, like there's no way with his reputation and his status as a, as a former NFL offensive coordinator that he was going to come here. So this guy was going to have op- a lot of options after the whole disaster in Cleveland this year because he was still highly thought of. He wasn't the one calling plays in Cleveland this year. He was going to have a lot of options. So I thought there's no way he's going to come here unless he's given the full offensive coordinator job, play calling duties, and I just don't think that's going to happen based off uh, what we've seen since the bowl game. But um, that obviously is not how Kirby saw things. So for me on the scale of one ten, I was probably about a seven or eight. Like, I mean, you're right saying that. Like hearing the name Todd Munkin as hired as our new offense coordinator, I knew that we weren't going to get him without giving him play calling duties. But I was shocked at this point that Kirby actually did that. Or you weren't shocked by Kirby actually making this move? Um, I mean, once you heard that he was coming, I was shocked. I wasn't shocked, but the fact that Kirby did, you know, do it, I think is surprising. I think it's out of his comfort zone, especially um, because I think there's going to be a lot less, uh, you know, micromanaging of things under someone like this. What does this tell you? I think this is a really important question because all we've heard for a couple of years now, and maybe deservedly so at points, is how stubborn Kirby Smart is, right? How he's stuck in 2011 with our offense and he's not changing. You know, he's come hell or high water. We're going to run this old school, you know, early you know, late 2000s early 2010s Alabama offense and Nick Saban won a couple national titles with what Kirby kind of grew up on in Alabama he's going to run that come hell or high water and that's just how it's going to be 
So what does this tell you about Kirby Smart? Because I think that's an important question. Um, I think it's a, that he had a big eye-opener this past year. I think, um, you know, no matter how good your uh, running backs are, your offensive line, things like that, sometimes it's just not going to work. And um, I think that he also saw what LSU, you know, they've done for a long time, what the system he wants to run. But when they change it up, look what happens. Um, and I think he realized that if he didn't make a change, then he was going to be stuck where he was. Yeah, to me – and I think you and I talked about this. We were texting back and forth when the news hit. To me, this is 100% flat out a statement hired by Kirby Smart. Do you see it that way? I do because no one expected it, especially anyone. I mean, opposing fan bases were actually kind of like, uh, this is actually a pretty good hire. Unless you're Florida fans and you're just trying to downplay everything that we do, which is fine. Uh, October 31st will be coming before we know it. Uh, yeah, this is a statement hired to me. This is Kirby Smart telling the nation – that, no, what you think of me is not right. You don't know what you're talking about. I want to win. Maybe I, the scheme that we were running for the first four years on Curry Smart, maybe he thought that's what we need to do in order to win. Uh, but now he sees pretty clearly, as you mentioned, that, no, maybe that's not the way to win in this day and age. I mean, I, th- I, still, I will still maintain, as I've said over and over again, that you can win with that philosophy, but it just reduces your margin for error dramatically. Uh, you have to be able to take advantage of of, this, of the way that the college football off- offensive schemes have evolved over the years, how rules have changed to benefit offensive uh, offensive football over the years. And I, I think now he sees that that's the direction that we have got to move. So, And I think this also shows that he's he was not necessarily married to that philosophy. Kirby, and this is what I've said ad nauseum, Kirby wants to win. He wants to win more than any of us. Take how much all of us want to win, multiply that by a million, and that's how much Kirby Smart wants to win. He wants to win, and he wants to bring a national title to the University of Georgia. Just trust me on that, guys. We all know that. And I think him doing this, taking one of his buddies and James Coley, and at the very least, demoting him. I'm stripping him very publicly of play-calling duties after one year. A guy that he's very close with. A guy that he values in a lot of ways. A guy that just a year ago he gave he gave the keys to the car to. Uh, and, and demoting him publicly like that, at the very least, like that tells you where Kirby is right now and how much this guy wants to win. How, and what he's willing to do in order to get the job done. I think if you go back and you look at like... You know, his first hire as offensive coordinator, Jim Chaney. Like, that was a – was that an – going back in time, was that an underwhelming hire to you at this point when you go back and look at it? Um, Maybe at the time I felt like it kind of was. Yeah, I mean, and I can and, – and people said that, and I get that argument. And I, I think Jim Chaney was a safe hire for a first-time head coach. And, again, Kirby was coming from Alabama. And so at that time, kind of what they were doing is what they've been doing all along to a national title. And then, you know, Georgia has – we had the running backs. If you look at what we had, you bring in Sam Pittman, a guy who's an elite offensive line recruiter, goes out and immediately starts getting some big-time offensive linemen. We've got stud running backs and Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. I think it made sense to run that sort of scheme. Like, we didn't have the personal – especially a receiver at that time. Um, and, and in quarterback, we were trying to get to that point. But I get what he was doing at first. And then once you get Jake Fromm – as your starting quarterback and he's the leader of the team, it's very, like, it's easy to say, yeah, let's go out and change the offense entirely. Let's go run spread up tempo kind of stuff. We don't have the personnel receiver. You don't have a quarterback that's really necessarily fit to run a kind of a modern spread based attack where he's not a dynamic athlete, at least with his legs. And you still have those big offensive linemen. You still have the stud running backs. And so I get why it was tough to kind of transition from that offense. I think now with Jake moving on and you get a guy like Jamie Newman as your quarterback, at least we think we all think he's going to win the quarterback job. It's not a done deal, but we all think he will be. And you got a guy like George Pickens, you're just bringing in a couple of stud receivers in this class as young receivers coming in this program. I think now is a time where if you're going to make a transition, it just makes sense to, right? 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It was hard, especially last year, to want to go to a whole new system when you had Jake. You had the O-linemen that fit this, where I think we're starting fresh almost in the entire, for a majority of the offense. Yeah, and I think that, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, Kerr, but I talked about this a little bit last week. I think that James Coley tried to transition our offense to a degree last year with some of the things that we were trying to do schematically. And the problem for him last year is that we didn't have the personnel. Jake Fromm is not that I mean, we were trying to run some zo- a bunch of zone re kind of introduce that into our into our offense, into our run game arsenal. And that's just not Jake Fromm. Uh, we try to do some different things with the passing game, but we didn't have the receivers that were able to do that. We try to go to more zone blocking schemes away from some of the gap stuff. We didn't do as much power block uh, scheme stuff up front. And with our offensive line, I don't know if that was really what they were built to do. Uh, so I think it was kind of like, you know, it was just tough for James Coley to be able to try to transition to some of that stuff away from some of the things that, that Jim Cheney had been doing when we didn't really have the personnel. I think this year we are going to have the personnel to do more of that. So, Kurt, now that you've had some time to digest this hire, bringing in Todd Munkin, I'm going to ask you to give me another ranking here. Uh, and so just play my game here. I know it's lame, but on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you like this hire, bringing in Todd Munkin? Um, I'll probably go with the nine. I mean, I think that oh, it's big time. I think the big thing is that while he knows the spread, I don't think we're going to get away from our power attack. But I think the one thing I'm very excited about is just the route trees. Um, you know, last year, I, you know, we were getting very frustrated. The route trees weren't expanding. Um, you know, we weren't doing a lot of slant. We just weren't doing a good job of getting people open. I think that's the one thing where he may be better. You mean, oh, you mean running five foot 10 receivers down the sidelines on go routes and throwing back shorter phases and expecting them to win the 50 50 balls consistently? Exactly. I think this guy's the one, a more creative mind, similar to what you saw with Joe Brady, with getting people open and getting them in space. And I think we'll see some more. I think we'll, you, I think we'll see an expanded usage of the slot receivers. And I, that's where you come in. You're talking about the expanded route tree. I mean, I was screaming bloody murder all year long for very, and these are very simple. It's like, Simple little whip routes, option routes from the slot, which we started to see a little bit towards the end of the year with some success, but we did not see it near as much of that as I think we need to with the personal we had at receiver. And that's something that's kind of taken over the NFL these days. I mean, look at all those slot receivers that are making uh, big time plays, game in and game out uh, for basically every team across the board in the NFL. I think you'll start to see some of those things come to our program, which I think is uh, it's been a long time coming. Uh, I'm with you. I, I think. I think you have to say, for me at least, I say a 9 or 10. Like, I am pumped up by this hire. I, I, as I said a second ago, I'm, I'm pumped about what this says about Kirby Smart. Like Kirby is willing to change. He's willing to adapt. He's willing to evolve and do the things necessary to win, which there were some questions out there. Was he willing to do those things? And I think that has definitively been answered now, at least on the offensive side of the football. With defense, we don't have to worry about right now. But if you look at Munkin's track record, Curtis, what is not to like about his track record as a play caller? And I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, the, what he did, especially in Tampa Bay, uh, with uh, Jameis Winston and Fitzpatrick both. Yeah, and, and say those names again, okay? Jameis Winston, who's very well could be losing his starting job next year, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, the journeyman of all journeyman quarterbacks. He finished, and if you guys aren't familiar, so I'm going to rattle off some numbers here as we go. But in 2018, as the offensive corner, the play caller in Tampa Bay, that offense with Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick finished third in total offense and first in passing offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston. That's doing something, man. That's doing some work there. That's doing some serious work at the NFL level. And if you go back to uh, his college days, I, I know he's coming from the NFL right now, but he has a, a pretty wide array of experience 
at the college level uh, as offense coordinator and play caller at Ohio or at Oklahoma State in 2011. They finished second nationally in scoring offense at 48.7 points per game, second in passing offense, 387 yards a game, 8.5 yards per pass. And oh, by the way, it wasn't just passing at Oklahoma State, averaged 5.39 yards per rush. At Oklahoma State in 2012, I took a slight step back, but I'm talking the slightest of steps, splitting hairs here. Number three in scoring offense in 2012, 45.7 points per uh, points per game. Number five in passing offense, 337 yards passing per game. And then 11th again in yards per game, again averaging 5.39 yards per rush with Brennan Whedon at quarterback. Uh, then he goes to Southern Mississippi, took over an O. He took, basically parlayed that success as their coordinator at Oklahoma State to the head coaching job at Southern Miss. They're an 0 and 12 Southern Miss team to 9 and 5 within three years. Goes to Tampa Bay, uh, gets to play calling duties uh, in 2018. Then Dirk Cutter gets let go after that year. He heads up over to the Browns. Offense coordinator again was not calling plays for them, but he uh, has basically, whenever he's calling plays, this guy has been extraordinarily successful wherever he's gone. I mean, almost universally well-respected by quarterbacks and other coaches he's worked with, at least when you hear what they had to say about him. Uh, this guy has a track record of producing explosive, dynamic offenses. And that is, is that not exactly what we're looking for, Curtis? Exactly. I think that's even Kirby. That's the one thing that kept missing was the explosiveness. And Kirby kept talking about that this year in his press conference. Like, we're trying to find a way to be explosive. And we just – we couldn't figure out how to get it done. We just couldn't. And this guy has got it done at the college level – uh, got it done at the NFL level. I think it was 2011. I'm actually almost positive. 2011 was the year they finished with one loss. They lost on a Friday night to Iowa State, back when Iowa State was just atrocious. Or they would have been playing in the BCS National Title Game in 2011. They were freaking good with with Monk and Nazar, offensive coordinator. I mean, they, they might have won the whole thing if they hadn't just had that one game. Finally, we had our South Carolina game this year. They had their one game on a Friday night, random Friday night late in the season, and lose to Iowa State. So this guy is accomplished, man. And, uh, and I know some people talk about James Coley as a recruiter and how potentially losing him would really hurt from a recruiting standpoint, and it would. I mean, Coley has got ties in South Florida, which you've got a lot of guys from South Florida over the past three, four years. But my understanding of Todd Munkin is he's actually a really personal guy, a good recruiter as well. Uh, guys kind of gravitate to him. So I, I think this is – I mean, we, he might not be as good of a recruiter as James Coley. I'm not going to sit here and say he is because there's not many guys that recruit like James Coley. And the guy is an ace recruiter. But I don't think there's going to be a massive drop-off on that front either, especially when you got Kirby Smart. Like, Are you ever going to really be worried about recruiting with Kirby Smart at the helm, Kirby? Well, that's what I was about to say. I mean, if anyone can pick up the slack, it's definitely Kirby Smart. Yeah, and we still – I mean, look, we still got Del McGee. We still got Dan Lanning. We got uh, Schumann. We got a bunch of guys. Cortez Hankton can recruit. Uh, Todd Hartley can recruit at tight end. So we got a bunch of guys on staff that can recruit. And I think I think we're going to be okay. Again, as long as Kirby Smart is our head coach, recruiting is always going to be the absolute least – of my worries. So I'm really excited, but I'm with you. I think this is like, is it a stretch to call this a home run hire? Are you with me on that? Or am I like going a little over? Well, I mean, compared to the names we were hearing, I mean, Will Hall's a good name. I mean, there's, there were some good names out there, but yeah. when you actually look at who we got and compare his track record to everything, I don't know if you could have asked for a better fit, like uh, something that like we needed to make a change. And I think this was, what you look for in a dictionary if you're looking for like perfect change for this offense i absolutely agree like i mean the names that we heard thrown around so you we heard mike lafleur a little bit over the past week i mentioned him last week's a guy if you guys were watching the 49ers game last last night you saw him throw the whole thing about 
him and his brother going up against each other, all that whole deal. He was in the kind of, I, I heard a time or two over the past week or so. I had heard Monk a couple of times, but again, I always kind of discounted. I was like, look, the guy's not coming here. Let's get him play calling duties. And like, I've heard nothing to suggest that James Coley's not going to be back, back as our play caller. Um, I think Kirby understands we had some deficiencies, uh, you know, talent wise, offense, at least at the receiver position. Uh, so I think that I thought he was going to come back. So I didn't think, I just didn't think that was going to happen. But then you hear it and you're like, oh my God. Like, but honestly, I, I think I'm with you. I don't know right now, realistically, who we were going to go out that was available, go out and get that was as accomplished as Todd Munkin and has done the things that Todd Munkin has done at both the NFL and the college level, who would have instant credibility among his players and guys that were recruiting like Todd Munk would have. So I think this, in a lot of ways, as you were kind of alluding to there, Kurt, was about as good of a hire as we were going to make at the offensive coordinator position going into 2020. So to me, I look, I know guys, the guy has not coached it down at the University of Georgia. And of course, we'll see how it plays out the next year or two. But to me, like just in terms of like looking at it on the surface right now without him having called any games here at the University of Georgia, I would say I think this has the potential to be a home run hire. I, I really, really do believe that. Now, the question becomes, Curtis. Is this a long-term hire? Do you see Do you see Munger as a guy that's going to stick here for a long period of time? Because I don't know if I do. No, I say two two to three years max. I Yeah, man. Look, I, look, I'll say this. If we have the kind of year that we all want to have, right, if we have that kind of year, we're in the playoffs again and the national championship hunt and, and you know, you know, somehow, maybe, possibly, the football gods look down on us and say, "You know what, Georgia, it's your time." And we get that that elusive national title, first one since 1980. If that happens, like he's gone after this year, right? If that happens, but yeah, because I mean, he'll parlay that into either an NFL offensive coordinator job, which I think he probably could have gotten right now anyway, or potentially another head coaching job at the college level. Because you know, even in the, when he was in the NFL, you know, there was a there's a, a video that's kind of making the rounds about him. You know, people, uh, I think it's about a three or four minute clip where he was being interviewed when he was with the Browns, kind of talking about his offensive scheme. And he mentioned how, like, he's always been referred to as, like, the college. Even though he's in the NFL, they referred to all the people there referred to him as the college guy, right? Because he comes from the college ranks. A lot of the, the, the principles that he incorporated in the offense, the spread principles, were college based stuff, kind of born at the college level. So maybe he wants to get a, an offense or a, a college head coaching job again. But if we win big this year, he's probably gone for this year. But that's okay, right? Like, like would, would LSU take. Take everything back after having Joe Brady just for one year? No, it's all worth it. I mean, you bring a guy in for one year. If you get what you want, then it's all worth you go and get the next guy. But I think you're right. I think probably two or three years is probably the shelf life on this uh, on this uh, on this hire because he's probably going to move on. I'll take a promotion somewhere. I could totally see that, but that's okay because I think he has the potential with the defense that we have coming back. I think he has the potential to fix things on the offensive side of the ball and fix them pretty quickly with some of the talent that we do have coming in and some of the guys that we still have on the roster to make this a quick turnaround and get us right back in the conversation and not maybe have that drop off that a lot of, uh, our, I know our rivals are hoping that we are going to have. And before we move on, I do want to tell you guys about our friends at Simply Safe. Simply Safe home security is like getting commercial grade enterprise level security, but for your own home. Think about the security Fortune 500 companies use. They need to know police are going to be on the scene immediately. And that's exactly the kind of security you get with Simply Safe. If there happens to be a break in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime and everything that's going on. And that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. With Simply Safe, you get comprehensive protection for your home, you got outdoor cameras, you got doorbells that alert you to anyone approaching your home, there's entry mode 
motion, glass break sensors that guard the, the interior of your home, plus Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning. It's all monitored 24-7 by live security professionals. You can set up your system yourself, no tools needed, or Simply Safe experts can do it for you if, if you prefer that. And the greatest thing about this whole deal is it's only 50 cents a day with absolutely no contracts. You can cancel this service at any time. So all you got to do is go to simplysafe.com slash overtime today to get free shipping on your order, plus a 60-day money-back guarantee. Tough to beat that. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime to save on home security today. simplysafe.com slash overtime. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. So can we ask you this? Uh, so speaking of James Coley and, and now bringing in Todd Munkin, this is a huge what if, and it's not even really necessarily relevant, but I'm just curious to get your take on this. I was just, just kind of one of those things I was thinking about over the weekend. If Todd Munkin, if Kirby would have hired Todd Munkin after he uh, got let go from Tampa Bay when the whole staff was let go, and he was our offense coordinator this year in 2019, what would our record have been in 2019 if he was our offense coordinator this past year? You know, I, I, Think we we beat South Carolina, but lose to LSU. Still, I think that'd have been the thing. Um, I still don't think we had the offensive weapons to compete with someone like LSU. And we were, just, I mean, in that game against LSU, if it's, if the scenario is the same scenario without DeAndre Swift, uh, without uh, Blaylock for almost the entire game, uh, without Pickens for the first half, without Lawrence Cager, like it's tough, right? I do think Cole was operating with. Uh, with just a limited number of playmakers at his disposal, especially in the passing game. So I certainly think that impacted things. Uh, but I think we would have beaten South Carolina. I think James Coley bears a, a brunt of the criticism for losing that game. I still can't. I just can't. Oh, God, it's, I'm like shell-shocked thinking back about that game and like how late in the game we were. We needed two scores to win the game, and here we are just moseying up the line of scrimmage, taking our sweet old time when we needed to have a sense of urgency. And I just, God, I just can't, I still can't get over that. Cannot get, we could have won that game regulation if we just taken it upon ourselves to have a little bit of urgency in that game. And maybe some of that was Kirby, but Coley certainly had a big hand in that as well. And, and speaking of Coley, let me, I, I think this question has to be asked. And I, I do not want to pile on James Coley because I, I think that he got a, 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 a I don't say a raw deal, but there were some issues he had to deal with this year. But how big of a mistake, or was it a mistake for Kirby Smart to, promote James Coley to offensive coordinator and play caller last um, year. That a you know, it's, it's easy to say hindsight, um, but I think that it would have been more dangerous if he had kept him. This year? Yeah. You think so? I believe yeah. so. Do you, I mean, do you think if we would have kept James Coley in 2020 as offense, as play caller, would we have seen much of a difference in our offensive production next year? At least enough. I, to get I honestly don't help. believe there would have been as big of one. Then we, we're bringing in these young guys at receiver, bringing in a guy like Darnell Washington at, at tight end. But those guys are young, right? They're really talented. But we had some talent last year that was just young. And it's just tough, especially when you when Jake Fromm goes pro and you've got you're working a new quarterback. I, yeah, I, I don't know. 
I don't know. I think that's a fair question. Look, I, but I'll say this. And I, this is kind of what I said when we first hired Cole, promoted Coley to offense coordinator and, and play caller. I, I it made sense to me. I understand why we did it because, for cohesion's sakes, right? Yeah. I mean, we we had J- Jake Fromm come back for. I mean, you had to at least think there's a really good chance this was Jake Fromm's final year coming into 2019, and we obviously it played out that way. But and our coaches weren't idiots; they they understood that. Uh, and you want to get the most out of him. You've got this great offensive line; these big guys back. You got uh, you got DeAndre Swift coming back. I, I think it made sense for cohesion's sake to because we at our offense in the past two years coming into 2019 were actually. Very good and very efficient. In 2018, it wasn't the offense that was the issue. It was the defense that was the issue. And the roles just got reversed this year. We were very good on offense in 2018, at least from an efficiency standpoint and from an explosiveness standpoint as well. Now, we lost some of those players, there's no doubt. But uh, I think bringing Coley in and promoting him as the play caller was entirely a move made thinking about co- about cohesion and say, look, this is what Jay Fromm does. This is the quarterback we have. Here's the talent we that we have on hand right now. This is what they've done. This is what they do best. And I think in this sense, right now, in this year, it made more – in that year, it made more sense to promote him. I don't think – I don't know if last year was the year to go in and bring in a guy or go out and bring in a guy that was going to completely revamp the offense to this kind of spread-based system where we're pushing the ball down the field, doing going up tempo, uh, incorporating quarterback run, that kind of stuff. So I don't know if – we had that personnel, at least with Jake Fromm at the quarterback position. Now, if we had Justin Fields, totally different story. So I, I get why we promoted him. But as I kind of said all year long, I don't think – it's kind of what I said about about Jim Chaney as well. I don't think Jim Chaney did a horrible job while he was here in Athens. I I, I think he got a lot of – some criticism was deserved, but I think there's a lot of undeserved just piling on of, of Jim Chaney. But I always said, like, yeah, I think he's a, he does a pretty good job, but he's not the best we could do. And I thought James Coley's, at least uh, the back half of the year, did everything he could to try to generate some offense with, with the deficiencies that we had to deal with at the wide receiver position, some of the injuries and the inexperience and all that. And while I don't think he did a terrible job in terms of individual play calls the, the back half of the year, I don't think he featured our, our the guys that we did have well enough. And I don't think he was the best we could have done. I think that's that was the ultimately the decision Kirby came to. And the realization he came to is that Cole might not be the, a terrible coordinator. He might not be as bad as everyone says he is. But is he really the best guy that the University of Georgia can go out and get? Like, is he the best we can do? And I think the answer to that is no, just like it was with, with Cheney. Cheney wasn't terrible, but he wasn't the best that we could do. And I think Kirby said, you know what? By God, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get the best guy that I can well, land. And I think, too, top. that Kirby has finally built – the Georgia, I mean, Georgia brand's always been good, but he's built it to an even, he's taken it to an even higher level. And the fact is that when they see what, that, how we struggled offensively and someone thinks like, wow, uh, you know, some of these people are parlaying their positions under Kirby right now because it's such a national brand into some of these other big time positions, you know, maybe I could go in there, coach for a year or two and be back on top and, you know, get a head job. Yeah, and I think that's the calculus that Todd Munkin is looking is 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 doing right now. He's looking at this and saying, "Okay, look, like you just said, Georgia's getting everybody they want in recruiting, just about everybody they want. They all these studs coming in. So in a year or two or three, I can absolutely parlay this job, like you said, to another head coaching job. And I, I think college is where this guy belongs. He's where he wants to be long term. He seems he he seems to talk about it. It seems like he likes the NFL, obviously, but he seems to talk about the uh, the college game in more glowing terms. So I think that well, and, might and be I think really too. Good. If you're going to come to the college level, why not go somewhere that's, like I was mentioning, this national brand, which makes your life a lot easier and trying to reestablish yourself. You're not waiting a year or two trying to get your players in there. You're coming into a place that's already stacked with talent. 
Ready made. Ready made. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, so speaking of that, our offense, as you say, is, is kind of ready made with a lot of talent. How do you expect our offense to change in 2020? What do you expect to actually be different about our offense this year? Um, the one thing I did notice a lot about Munkin is that he's he likes to attack the ball downfield, which I think will fit well with what we have in Newman. Um, so I think that's the one thing I'm very well looking forward to. But I also think that he'll do a good job of just trying to draw people open, as we mentioned, you know, getting people open, especially in the sloss and things like that, especially with the fact that we have a guy who is can scare people with his legs that is going to soften up coverages. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm very excited about this. Now, one thing I will say is we have not really seen Todd Munkin with a mobile quarterback. Uh, if you go back to Oklahoma State when he's put up those massive numbers, hugely explosive offenses, that was Brandon Whedon, who was a statue of statues back there. The guy was not a, a guy that was going out there and running the football much at all. So we, and, we, and at the NFL, you don't really see that much with Fitzpatrick and Winston. Like, no, that's just not what they do. So I'm, I, but I'm excited about the possibility because I think this is a guy that can that can certainly do some different things and some creative things and some uh, dynamic things with a mobile quarterback. But for me, the biggest thing I expect to uh, to see change, and, and this is the phrase that he uses as a phrase that we need to get used to, guys: throw to win. I expect us to see to I expect to see us throwing the football to win football games. Uh, kind of like what LSU did this year. And, and that clip is kind of making the rounds. If you haven't seen it yet, you can find it on YouTube. Just look up. I think it's Todd Munkin, Cleveland Browns interview. or It's it's out there. Uh, find it on Twitter somewhere. But he talks about, like, yeah, we, I, I'd like to run the football, but I want to run the football enough to, to allow us to, to have favorable situations and coverage to throw the football into where we can throw to win. We're going to push the ball down the field, guys. If there's anything in his track record that's consistent, it's pushing the ball down the field in the passing game. And you look at it, number two, again, just going back to it, number two at Oklahoma State in the country and passing offense, 387 yards a game. Number five, the next year, 337 yards a game goes to uh, Tampa Bay. And first and passing offense, again, with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston, we're going to throw the football more than – is it a stretch to say more than any team in Georgia history has thrown the football, Kurt? Um, I don't think that's a stretch. I, I really I, – I think that's what we're going to see. I, we're going to see an explosive offense. We're gonna, like you said, we're going to be pushing the ball down the field. And then, oh, by the way, you have this mobile quarterback that you, that you can kind of do some different things with. Um, it's the kind of a weapon he hasn't really had at his disposal in the past. So I'm excited about that. Obviously, with our offensive line, we still have some really good – I know we're losing some guys, but we still have some highly recruited players there. We're still going to run the football, and that's something I love about it. Even though he's, thrown the, he's throwing to win – He's still been explosive running the football. His teams have. You go back to Oklahoma State again, 5.39 yards per rush in back-to-back seasons. I mean, he's still running the football and still finding a way to be explosive. In, and the on- one thing I too I like about having Newman also is he's an older type guy. So that's going to – I think it's going to help him him and Monk and kind of communicate and pick up on things a lot quicker instead of, you know, if he's coming in trying to teach someone like Beck or even any of these young kids, then you're having to teach them the quarterback position while also – it's just there's a lot to take in. And I'll also say the skill set of Jamie Newman really meshes well with what Munkin likes to do in terms of pushing the ball down the field, right, throwing to win. I mean, what, what did we talk about last week or when we talked about Jamie Newman and his, throwing, his, his ability to throw the football down the field? We talked about how beautiful a deep ball the guy throws, right? I think yeah. he was number two nationally, according to Pro Football Focus, in uh, completion of 20-plus yards down the field. And he's got that arm, uh, three balls in the tight windows. Those are the things – 
that Todd Munkin is going to ask his quarterbacks to be able to do. And that just so happens to be what Jamie Newman does really, really well. So that also is very, very exciting for me. Uh, but what about individual players here besides Jamie Newman? Because we just mentioned him. What who uh, who else on our team right now will benefit most from this hire? Um, I have three guys, really, or maybe four. I mean, you could say, but the first two are, I think, going to be uh, George Pickens and Demetrius Robertson. I think that Robertson will very benefit very much so from someone who's better at drawing, and getting him open. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, George Pickens for me is the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, definitely George. Yeah, and, and then. The- Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, in the three or four, is kind of a tie, but I'm going to go between McKitty and Darnell Washington in the tight end position because I think that this guy will do a better job trying to scheme everyone open that it'll actually help the tight ends more so. Because, I mean, last year hurt because we didn't have that much of talented guys, but I don't also think that we did enough not to get them open, but at least get them an area to open up the other parts of the offense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what about a guy like uh, James Cook? Um, yeah, actually, I think that's a big one because he's one of these guys that he likes to use the running backs. Like sometimes instead of running the ball, he'll just throw a little swing passes and things like that, just trying to get them the ball in space. Right. And I, so I think someone like Cook is definitely going to benefit greatly from this. Think about how the running back uh, position has become it's, – it's all the rage to get them ball in the passing game these days in the NFL at that level. And it's becoming more so at the college level. You saw what LSU was able to do. But, hey, Joe, Bra- Joe Brady's coming from the NFL. That's what they're doing with running backs, that versatility in, in the NFL, whether it's Alvin Kamara – who has caught over 80 balls in three straight seasons since coming out of college to start his career. He went for over 1,500 yards combined his first two seasons, just catching the football out of the backfield. Uh, then you got guys like James White's been doing it for years at New England. I think in 2018, I think he had... 87, almost oh, close to 90 catches out of the backfield. You've got guys that are doing that. So I think James Cook has certainly fill in that role. But Pickens to me is, is the first guy that comes to mind. It's one Another thing I really like about what Monkey brings to the table is he features his playmakers. He finds a way to feature his playmakers and maximize their plays. If you go back and you look at Oklahoma State, Justin Blackman, remember that name, Kurt? Justin Blackman? Yep, years ago? he killed us. Yeah, yeah. Justin Blackman was like was a killer at the college level. Well, he went for he went for over fifteen hundred yards in two thousand eleven under Todd Munkin. That was fifth nationally in receiving yards. Mike Evans had his best year in the NFL, the best year of his career, going for over fifteen hundred yards in two thousand eighteen with Munkin calling plays, and that was third in receiving yards in in the NFL in that year. So he finds a way to maximize the abilities of his best players on offense. And he features them. He features those guys. And we saw what Pickens like, – there was no one else on offense doing anything in the Super Bowl. And we saw what Pickens was able to do in that setting. Imagine what he'll be able to do with a guy like Todd Munkin, finding ways to get him open and finding ways to feature him. That, it's going to be nasty, man. It's going to be crazy. We're going to have more talent So uh, at, at the receiver position. We're going to have more talent at the tight end position. So teams aren't going to be able to double him and try to take him away as much as they even try to do uh, in the Sugar Bowl. So – I am extraordinarily excited about what this might mean for George Pickens over the next two years. I'm very excited about that. But you're right, Trey McKinney, D-Rob, all those names. Also very, very excited about what they might be able to do this year as well. And we do have a couple more things we want to talk about before we get out of here today. But before we get there, I do want to make sure you guys know that today's show is sponsored by The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site for the real fans out there. They give you the absolute best in-depth coverage from local writers on every single team, plus the best national writers in the business. Guys you already know, like Jay Glazer, Mike Sando, Michael Lombardi, of course, with college football, you've got Stuart Mandel, and you've got Bruce Feldman. you got the big guys out there. 
So those big national writers and great local coverage from guys like Seth Emerson on the Georgia Beat. It really is a one-stop shop for everything you need when it comes to college and pro sports. So the Athletic is setting the new standard for sports news. There are no ads, there's no pop-ups or clickbait, you don't have to worry about anything like that, just great sports writing that tells the story behind the story. You get exclusive player profiles, deep dives on analytics, team power rankings, and fantasy sports insights that you're not going to find anywhere else. And each subscriber gets a personalized feed of stories, the stuff that you want to know about. You get live writer Q&As and a lot more than that. Just download the Athletic app, pick your favorite teams, and the Athletic will begin servicing all the latest on the players and storylines that matter to you. You're ready to get started? All it takes right now for you to sign up is to go to theathletic.com slash overtime for a 40% off deal for a yearly subscription. That's right. All you have to do is go to theathletic.com slash overtime and get 40% off for your first year. And Kurt, we've got a couple of things before we get out of here. I, I got to ask you, man, what's what's the deal with James Coley? What, what, what's going to happen? Do you think he's going to stay on staff? Is he leaving? What I'm hearing right now around town is that there's a very good chance he might end up at, uh, oh, I don't know, Texas A&M here in the next couple of days. What well, you, what he was doing? close to going there two years ago. So the yeah. only thing is, if you go somewhere, you may be because you're upset with Georgia or something, but you're not going to get a raise to go anywhere because you're definitely not going to get an OC job right now. Yeah, that was my initial reaction when the news first came down that he was being sure to play call on duty. So I was like, well, yeah, like it's going to be – that's got to be really, really tough, man, to stay here and just kind of set your ego aside. That's got to be really tough. I mean, that, but that's here's the thing. Tough. If you really watch it, they want to say Insminger kept calling the plays. If you watch just sitting there like a stone and Brady was the one talking. I think that's – again, that's Coach O basically like – him. He, he has a soft spot for Insminger. And he yeah, did no, he does. But, I like, like you could openly watch it and be like – we're not stupid. We know he's not calling plays. Sure, sure. But Coach O's not gonna he's not gonna confirm that. I mean, look, I, I see I, that's I the only thing. Kirby outright came out and was like, listen, like and maybe yeah. that's how Munkin wanted it. Yeah, and maybe it was. And like so I, I think in an ideal world we would be able to keep Coley on because I've always said he has value, especially as a recruiter. I know you can scoff at that. Oh, who cares? You gotta coach. Yeah, I agree, you gotta be able to coach. But you gotta have players first and foremost. And Coley has done a great job of helping us get players on this on this uh this team right now. He's an outstanding job. I mean, he might be he, arguably, I know Pittman was a great recruiter, but Coley was right up there with him. And he's a good, a solid position coach as well. He's just a good guy to have on staff. Uh, maybe not calling plays. I get that. So in an ideal world, you'd be able to keep him. But I don't know. Like, initially, I was thinking, well, you know, like you said there, Kurt, like he's making almost a million dollars right now here at Georgia. Like is, who's going to pay him a million dollars right now to be a position coach somewhere? Yeah, I don't say, think he's going to be a an position coach is the thing. I don't, I can't see anyone unless they're just such good buddies that they want to throw him a bone. Right, so maybe you 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 know maybe he stays around for a year or two and kind of uh, gets his you know builds up his reputation again and that kind of thing and he he waits for the right job. Yeah, and because he here's the thing: he's crashed and burned his last two stops as OCs. Yeah, I don't see him getting offensive coordinator. I want a play calling job anywhere right now. I just don't see that, and I don't know if I see him getting the money he's getting. And see, right that's now. the and I gotta say that's the one thing that didn't shock me is it wasn't hey Munkins coming in as co OC, but he'll he'll be calling the plays. No, it was outright. This guy's our OC. There was no co-OC anything. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I don't know. It's it's like it's tough to swallow your pride and, and put your ego aside to stay here. But money talks. I, I, again, I don't see him getting the kind of money he's getting here anywhere else right now. And who knows? Maybe he'll be asked to take a uh, he'll be asked to to take a pay cut. I don't know. But we'll see how that plays out. I wouldn't be stunned if he stays. 
But I also wouldn't be shocked to see him head over to maybe like Texas A&M where Jimbo Fisher and him have some history back uh, from the days at Florida State. So that's that's a possibility too. But we'll see how much he'll get paid there. I just don't know if there's much of a market for him. I mean, he's a great recruiter. So maybe that value right there, and A&M's got so much money. Maybe they'll pay him a million dollars. I don't know, just for his recruiting abilities. That's possible. But we'll kind of see how that plays. I'd love to be able to keep him on staff. I just, I don't know. I don't know. So, so that brings us to the next question. Let's say if James Coley goes somewhere else, Kerb, we got something else to discuss here. There's one more hire that we haven't mentioned yet. It was announced early this morning, Monday morning, that we have hired Southern Miss offensive coordinator, I guess now former Southern Miss offensive coordinator, Buster Faulkner in some capacity. Faulkner, is a, he's a Gwinnett County football product. He played at Parkview High School back in the late 90s. He and Kirby crossed paths at Valdosta State where Faulkner, uh, he was the quarterback. Kirby was at first a DB coach and the Demons a coordinator there in 2000, 2001. So there is some familiarity there. Kurt, what do you make of the Buster Faulkner hire? Um, I think I like it. Um, you know, people have mentioned that Kirby's been interested in bringing him in on staff. Um, to me, there especially Coley makes last it. year before he fired yeah. Sean Watson. It, it was that support staff role that Jay Johnson left by when he went to Colorado with Melton. And and here's the thing that if Coley does make the move, because right now it was looking like Coley was gonna stay the quarterback coach. Right. I mean, there really hasn't been a lot of it's still very vague, but that's what was being floated around. Right. Um, so if he does leave, then that fills the quarterback role, coach role. And, and I also and think at the same time that I think this is a guy Kirby's going to invest in because, like you said, he's, he's been interested in bringing him in. And if he can get an on-field position under, say, Monken for a couple of years, then you may potentially be – look because they had a very, very good offense this year at Southern Miss, I believe, number one in their yeah. conference, that maybe yeah. one or two in passing. So yep. the guy's done it, and he's definitely not going to leave for off-the-field role. So I think that they knew, in my opinion – you know, by the time this show post Coley may be gone, but even then, I think the guy may have they may have been planning on this. Um, and I think you could potentially be we could be talking about our future OC, offensive coordinator, and waiting essentially. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I'm thinking because this guy's the age where you say, "Hey, two years." Say if if Monk can say two years, all right, these two years are up. You study under him, and then you take over, and there's still a little continuity. Absolutely. That's exactly how I see this. He's getting paid about $250,000 as the offensive coordinator at Southern Miss. Now, coming here as an analyst, he's not going to be making $250,000. He's just not going to be. But that, that 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 doesn't mean he won't he wouldn't come here anyway just to be an analyst because that could be a way he parlays himself into the next on-field coaching job when it comes available, right? So it's kind of like I'm betting on my Yeah, yeah, and I'm not there. saying that 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 he's that they know Coley's leaving. I'm just saying, you know, if say yeah. it, it happens by the time this is posted, then there's an sure. explanation. Yeah, and I it wouldn't. I mean, again, it would not shock me if Coley's gone by the time, like you said, most people are listening to this show. That certainly could happen. Things are very fluid right now. But without an official announcement from the athletic department or a statement from Kirby, there's no on-field coaching position available right now. Uh, but if Coley leaves, then I think very clearly that Buster Faulkner is going to be the quarterback coach. And I don't know going to say co-OC. I don't see that. But he'll be I, – I think you're right. I think coaching wings is exactly how I see it. I think this is checkmate by Kirby. This is Kirby playing, playing chess instead of checkers. He's playing two steps ahead here. He says, okay, look, I, I know – Tyler and Curtis, you guys are right. That Todd Mung is probably going to be here long term. So I need to get a guy in here that I think can tutor under him and who's already very accomplished and can be that next guy for me that can kind of continue on what Munkin's doing. And that guy very well could be Buster Faulkner. And he's done a good job coaching quarterbacks where he's been. I mean, he's a he's got he's coached uh multiple league players of the year from the quarterback position. Stock still Brent Stock still at Mid- at Middle Tennessee State was a really good quarterback there for a while when he was coaching at Middle Tennessee State. And his, you mentioned some of his numbers, Kerb. He this year Southern Miss they were top twenty in passing offense nationally. Go back to two thousand eighteen when he was at Arkansas State they were seventeenth in total offense nationally, four hundred sixty six yards a game, twenty first in passing offense, two hundred eighty one yards a game. 
In 2017, when he was play calling or calling plays for Arkansas State, they were 10th nationally in total offense, 494.8 yards a game, 5th nationally in passing offense. In 2015, calling plays for Middle Tennessee State, they had a top 20 offense nationally. And uh, so, yeah, he's he's put up big numbers pretty much wherever he has been and doing a lot of the same things that Todd Munkin is going to bring to the University of Georgia. So it's a perfect fit. Again, I think this is Kirby playing two steps ahead, realizing what's really how long the shelf life of Todd Munkin here at Georgia and wanting to have somebody in place, not want to go through this whole process all over again in a couple of years. So I've, he could be a, a, an analyst behind the scenes for a year or two if Coley stays around, which I'd be okay with. But like you said, if Coley moves on, this is our quarterback coach, right? Yeah, 100%. That, that's, that's, that's who it is. So uh, just another – I think another great hire. Not, not, it's not going to get as much conversation as Todd Munkin, and of course it, sh- it probably shouldn't. But I think this is another massive hire for Kirby Smart. It's, one, it's another to me a Dan Lanning. I think this guy is, is – is, you remember when Dan Lanning was hired, no one really talked about it. But now yeah. all of a sudden the guy – is one of the most sought after DCs. We had to fight to hold on to him, and now he's one, you know one of the top young guys around right now. And I I think that could potentially be what Buster Faulkner could. I'm not saying that's who he is, but Kirby thinks ahead like that. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, Kirby is smart. It's a very similar s- scenario. He knew that Mel Tucker wasn't going to be here long term. He knew that guy was highly thought of and was going to be a head coach at the college level at some at the power five level sooner rather than later. He wanted to get a guy to come in and be the next guy, and it was Dan Lanning. And it, it, when Dan Lanning eventually moves on, because Dan Lanning's going to move on, hopefully not for many years, but eventually he will. We have Glenn Schumann, right? As long as we can keep him on yeah. staff. So Kirby does a really good job of stocking the the the. I guess getting the the coffer staff with coaches and just having somebody ready to go and fill into that next position whenever uh, the time comes. So um, I think it's exciting times, man. I'm really excited about all this news. I hope you guys are too. Love to hear your thoughts. You can hit us up on Twitter at glory underscore UGA. But Kurt, that's it, right? Anything else you want to add? Nope, that hits it. All right, guys. Really appreciate you sticking with us here today. We will be back later in the week. Uh, Great news. Well, there'll probably be some more news that we have to cover later in the week. All this is very, very fluid. But uh, as I just said, great time to be a Georgia Bulldog. Thanks for listening. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.